time to consolidate for what lays ahead. That word consolidate and, and the exercise is really to rehearse and go back to what God has done, remember what he has done, walk through it, with firstly, the, to honor the Lord and to celebrate his goodness. I think Tommy was talking to us inside of the worship about how good God has been to us. Um, and he has been good. God is always good. There's never a time when he's not. You know, so he's always good, and the things that he, is, he does for us is for our good. Um, and so we want to remember the Lord and celebrate him giving thanks to him. That's one thing that we want to do in this time of consolidation. And we, it's great that we're leading up to CKH. Yeah. And uh, we, we can culminate CKH with this huge celebration there. Um, you know, celebration of life and celebration of our life in God, our collective journey in God. So that's one. Consolidate is there to help us to put into context the events that God has taken us through, where we've seen his hand move us, and, and to celebrate him. The other thing is to, to look at how much, you know, when you're journeying through something and you're walking through the events, you're actually going through the motions. You're going, uh, you know, uh, a little at a time through it. You don't really have time to reflect yeah. and, and on what you're doing and why you do it. You hear the voice of the Lord speak and you obey but you realize, ah, this is what that was for. And so consolidation helps us to actually go back, look at what God took us through, and to know what was his intention, what happened there. You know, did we, did we do well? Um, you know, what was God's intention? What was his desire for us? Did we meet it fully? You know, um, what happened when we obeyed? What happened when we didn't? And then we are able to progress. Because the idea is that we want to enter into a new season, understanding how we fared in the old one, or what we've come out of. How well did we do? We want to evaluate ourselves. And then makes, that makes us wiser when we hear the new demands of the Lord upon us, to be able to respond with accuracy, with more efficiency, to respond in the right ways, to go to the right places, as God requires us. Are we ready for that? There's going to be quite a bit of reading. So Merce has saw me just typing and typing and typing away. Um, I'm hoping that we can, you know, go through all of this. But really inside of my own heart, I felt that, you know, something like this can actually be a resource for us over this time that we're off. Where we, we, we go through the events of us of, as a community. We can rehearse that. And, and we have notes in there. We, we plug in our own personal walk with the Lord, our own personal journey in those moments. And we consolidate the year. Everybody excited to do that. They say, God, when, I, when you said do this, I didn't understand. But now my eyes see. And my, um, I understand. My heart actually is filled with the, the understanding that you require. And so this, this can actually be a template for us to use in our conversations throughout our holidays and the festive periods, as we're going around, we have to be like the Word of God encourages us to do, to think on these things, to think on the things of the Lord, to think on the things that God lays for us as a requirement while everything else is shouting. And so there's going to be events, there's going to be invitations, there's going to be meals, and um, you know, you're already going to be thinking about, I know the families for us are already thinking about what's on Christmas Day, whether the crab curry is going to be featured there somewhere, 
or what's going to be on the table and what we do in the next day and for New Year's. All of those things are there. Those things are there. But the agenda of the Lord supersedes them all. And we've got to give God what he wants because we are about to step into, and we've actually started that journey now, we're going to step into that great and effective door in 2024. Amen. So I'm going to read for us a couple of things. There's um, Deuteronomy. I'm going to take us through a couple of things in Deuteronomy. Just to read, and uh, if you can just track with me. Um, De Deuteronomy is what you consider a book of remembrance. Moses is talking to the people and actually rehearsing and reminding them. Um, but he's also reminding himself <laughs> You know, inside of the uh, inside of the book of the of his journey with the Lord, uh, he's setting things in order as he has to pass now this mantle of leadership over to someone else. Um, and so we we go through that book of remembrance. There's a couple of key things that we're going to go through that I will highlight at the end. But I want to read and lay a foundation and a basis for this for this conversation. Okay, so if you look at Deuteronomy in chapter one. And I'm not going to read specific scriptures. I will just give you a highlight. Um, in chapter 1, Moses recalls the journey for the Israelites, and he starts this process of, of recalling the journey. And 40 years has passed since the exit from out of, out of Egypt, out of captivity. And he appoints, he starts to appoint leaders from every tribe to help carry the load because the burden of leadership was becoming great. And he recalls that in chapter 1. He says, do you remember when? we've had to appoint leaders. So in chapter 1, he's rehearsing and recalling, um, you know, before the nation. So he calls to counsel the entire nation of Israel. And he stands before him and rehearses the journey. Now, Moses is an amazing guy. He actually wrote down and documented every part of his journey so that this moment was possible. So had he not done that, this moment would not be possible. And so he really held would value the, the journey that God took them on. Every time God spoke was precious to him. It meant something to, to Moses. And so he documented, and then Deuteronomy starts. He starts to take them through. He says, you remember the time when we had to appoint leaders, and I asked you to pick from within yourselves a leader from every tribe to carry the load. And then do you remember the 12 spies? Moses reminds them of the spies that he had to send out to hear the report. We all know that story. The, he says, go out, spy the land, check if it is good, and come back and let me know, you know how it goes. And, and they came back with some good reports. It's a beautiful land. They came back with some fruits, and everybody was happy. And, and then the people started to look at what it would take to actually possess it. So the land was good. There was nothing wrong with the land. The promise of the Lord was as he said it was. But there were, they were, uh, you know, the, the, they were giants, the Amorites in the land, and they had to overcome that. So the people start to rebel against God. They, they said, you know, the Lord led them here to the hands of the Amorites who lived in the land so that they would die at their hand. Now, now he led them there so that they may possess it. But when he led them there and they saw the reports, they said that you led us here so we could die at the hands of the Amorites. It says, because, this is Moses said, he says, because of you, the Lord became angry with me. This is Pastor Moses becoming upset with the crowd. He reminds them, he says, do you remember that time when you wanted water? And, 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 and I had to give you water uh, from the rock. 
and because of you, God became angry with me. He's kind of telling them, guys, you put pressure on me, hey? And uh, because of you, I, God became angry and told me, you shall not enter. So he's in this time reminding them, and he says, because of you, God said, I will, I will not enter. That's in Deuteronomy 137. The people acknowledge their sins thereafter in chapter 1, and the Lord, um, before the Lord, and decide to go to the mountain to face the Amorites, even though God said no. So here's what they do. They repent. They say, Lord, we've sinned against you. And they say to Moses, because we've sinned against the Lord, we are now, we've decided to go and take up the war against, and, and against the Amorites. We're going to go up the mountain. We're going to fight them for the land. And Moses said, no, hold on. God said, no, don't go. But they went on. And what happened was that they were chased out of the land and humiliated by the Amorites. God did not give them victory. Okay, so they, they sinned, they rebelled, um, and then they took it upon themselves to say, okay, we, we'll, we'll do something for God. They didn't listen to God when he said no, and they were humiliated. Chapter 2, Moses continues to remind them. He says, the Lord took care of you for 40 years there. You didn't starve for food. You didn't not, uh, have water, you know, not have water. You had the pillar of fire. You were taken care of. Uh, your clothes and your, your, your shoes grew on you. You were lacking nothing. I took care of you. Uh, you know, in today's economy and the way things are, I'd love God to show up in that way. Mm. You know, <laughs> especially during, um, you know, the time of holidays and groceries. We need manna for these kids. <laughs> God must deliver some manna for the pantry and, and for the kids. And but how beautiful is that? He, he, he recalls, he says, God took care of you. The entire generation, though, of fighting men had all died. So that generation that disobeyed the Lord in chapter 1, where he reminds them, God waited, and they all actually died. So that generation passed away. They disobeyed the Lord, rebelled against him, and then confessed their sin and tried to do things in their own strength. Okay? The favor of the Lord is upon you, them once again, and, and they started to win their battles in, in advancing territory. So after those fighting generations, um, they, those men died. God started to give them victory and now directed them. He says, go to this nation, go to the king, go and fight these battles. I, have given you, I will give you the victory. Okay. Chapter 3, he goes on, he says, Moses reminds them that, that he was prohibited. So he brings up the topic again, right, in chapter 3. He says, he reminds them that he was prohibited from, <laughs> from entering the promised land. And, and he pleaded with the Lord. He said, let me go over and see the good land beyond the Jordan, that fine country. So this is Deuteronomy chapter 3, verses 25 to 27. So Moses says, let me go over and see the good land beyond the Jordan, that fine hill country and Lebanon. But because of you, the Lord was angry with me. And would not listen to me. Uh, or it says, let me go over and see the good land of Jordan, that fine country in Lebanon. But because of you, the Lord was angry with me and would not listen to me. And God interrupts and says, that is enough. <laughs> it says, that is enough. The Lord said, do not speak to me anymore about this matter. Go up to the top of Pishkah and look west and north and south and east. Look at the land with your own eyes since you are not going to cross this Jordan. 
So he gives him the option. He says, go and have a look. Look at this land. But you're still not going to cross over into it. Okay. So Moses' issue was because of you people, but God was saying, actually, you were my servant. You dishonored me in front of the people. Chapter 4, there's a command from God for them to obey. It says, now Israel, in Deuteronomy 4, verses 1 and 2, says, hear the decrees and laws I am about to teach you. Follow them so that you may live and may go in and take possession of the land the Lord, the God of your ancestors, has given you. Do not add to what I command you, and do not subtract from it, but keep the, the commands. How do you understand why God says that? Do not add and do not subtract, but keep it. Because they rebelled. And then they confessed their sins. They repented before the Lord. And then they still went and did what they felt was right in their own eyes thereafter. And God had to wait for an entire generation. So you see that, and you kind of wonder, had they not rebelled, what would that journey have been? Had they not waited, uh, had they God not waited for the fighting men and a generation to be killed and for another to be raised, all of that time was in whose hands? The people. You know, so they actually brought these things, the delays upon themselves. Um, and so what happened was, uh, in chapter 4, he, he t says to them, I'm commanding you to obey me. I'm commanding you to obey me. Do not add to what I command you and do not subtract from it, but keep the commands of the Lord, your God, that I give you. Deuteronomy 4 from verse 6 to 10, it says, Observe them carefully. Observe them carefully, for this will show your wisdom and understanding to the nations who hear about all these decrees and say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. What other nation is so great as to have their gods near them the way the Lord is near us whenever we pray to him. And what other nation is so great as to have such righteous decrees and laws as this body of laws I am setting before you today? Only be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget these things. Uh, do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them fade in your heart as you Long, as long as you live, teach them to your children and to their children after them. Remember the day you stood before the Lord, your God, at Horeb, when he said to them, Assemble the people before, before me to hear my words so that they may learn to revere me as long as they live in the land and may teach them to their children. That's Deuteronomy 4, 6 to 10. So he's reminding them. Part of the obedience is God is actually reminding them of what obedience is. Obedience is not rising up in your own understanding, but actually listen to me, pay careful attention, do what I tell you, don't add to anything, and keep it for as long as you live. Revere me, reverence me wherever you are, in the midst of a community, in the midst of the journey, in the midst of the people. Then he reminds them in verses 15 to 16 of chapter 4 about idolatry. He said, you saw no form of any kind in the day the Lord spoke to you at uh, Horeb, out of the fire. Therefore, watch yourselves very carefully so that you do not become corrupt. Make for yourselves an idol, an image, an image of any shape, whether form like a man or woman. And the reason he says this, he says, 
part of the journey was they had this, um, you know, this sort of thing that they did with the Lord. And Moses had to, they, the people said to Moses, you go, listen to God, come back with some stuff from the Lord for us. Because no man can see God and live. He's an all-consuming fire. So the people said, you go, bring the commands or whatever the word of the Lord is. We will listen and obey. Okay? And, and then they start, the Lord reminds them, he says, you did not see me. You didn't see me. You don't know what I look like. You saw no form. Therefore, do not go now and try and create something that you think that I am. Some form that you think that I am and worship that. Because he says the same things. He goes on to talk about you worship the stars and the heavenly beings that the entire world that belongs to everybody under the sun and to, and to all of creation. But you worship it and say that that's me. He says don't create another form of that. So he's reminding them of idolatry, right? So we all follow in. It's a, it's a beautiful story. I'd love a movie made of this. Like a proper movie. And I'd like to act in that one. Uh, Londi, we can do this. <laughs> so Moses rehearses the laws before the people in chapter 5. He continues. He says in chapter 5, verse 11, You shall not mis misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. He reminds him. He says, don't misuse my name. Um, when you heard the voice out of the darkness while the mountain was ablaze with fire. This is the story, right? All the leaders of your tribes and your elders came to me and you said, The Lord our God has shown us his glory and his majesty. And we have heard his voice from the fire. Today we have seen that a person can live even if God speaks with them. Because they saw Moses, right? But now, why should we die? These people, eh? <laughs> something, something's not right here. You know, these guys, they said, we see that it can happen, but why should we die? We, we're not going to do what you did, basically what he's saying to them. And he said, this great fire will consume us, and we will die if we hear the voice of the Lord our God any longer. For what mortal has ever heard the voice of the living God speaking out of fire as we have and survived? And there they say, go near and listen to all the Lord says. Go, you go near and listen to all the Lord says. Then tell us. Whatever the Lord, our God, tells you, we will listen and obey. That's Deuteronomy 5, 23 to 27. Now I'm going to look to Kiara and Kazi here. When someone says, go near and listen, tell us what you heard, we will listen and obey. What is that? The law students. What is that? That's, well, that's a law of contract. That's contracting right there. So they made a contract and a pact with, with Moses. He says, you go and listen to all that the Lord says. Tell us what he, you go and listen to the Lord. Go into the all-consuming fire. And when you come back, I think in their hearts they said, if you come back. <laughs> when you come back, tell us what he says. And here's what we'll do. Because you're doing that, we will listen and we will obey. They made a contract with him. In chapter 6, continues to say, do not forget and love the Lord. Chapter 6, verses 4 to 9, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. 
In some, some scriptures it says the Lord is one God. What that means is that the Lord is the only Lord, is the only God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. With all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. It says, impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home. And when you walk along the road. When you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your house and your gates. Chapter 6. You can see that progression every time that Moses is meeting with them. He's talking to them. I almost see this as every day. It's like Moses takes them through a conversation, day 1 to day 6 that we are now. I don't know if it happened like that, but you can almost have a picture of these moments of Selah in between. Go and consider what, what we have, have heard, right? Deuteronomy 8, verses 2 to 3, says, Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and test you in order that you know what is in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commandments. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna. Neither you nor your ancestors had known to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. The Lord caused us to hunger, and then he fooled us. That's what he says. He caused conditions of our life. But actually what God was doing is the people are meeting conditions. They have to go through all of this stuff. They hunger, they're hungry, they're thirsty, they, they are feeling hot, they need to be cool, they're feeling cold at night. They're going through conditions, right? And so we go through this stuff. We go through conditions and events of life. But what is God doing? He says, I'm testing I'm testing to see what you will do. I'm testing to see where you will look, what your response will be, because I fed you. What would you be your response? And you remember a time when God fed them and they said, Moses, we're tired of this manna. We need some meat too. You know? So he was testing them. And, and he, sa- he reveals here to them, and Moses is reminding them, God tested the heart to see what you would do. So I'm going to just leave that there for now, and we'll come back to that. I want to track for us what the last two years of our journey has been like, as Alice say. And I want us to start maybe piecing these things together now, that this journey at Alice say was a spirit-led process and spirit-led endeavors. Spirit-led process and processes, spirit-led endeavors. So what, we do, what do we learn from the Israelite journey is that when God spoke and they obeyed, it worked. When God spoke and they disobeyed, it didn't work. When God didn't speak and they did, didn't work. So, you know, for me, it's a very, I'm a very rational, I'm a very calculating person. So I know the equation now. God must speak. I must obey. It works. God speaks. I obey. Works. So that equation in my mind, where's the, 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 the kids? I know you're on holiday, but you must have in your, if you're taking notes, God speaks plus I obey, equals, it works, right? And, and that's what we le- learn. And so in our journey, I want to track for us what has our journey been like, the spirit-led processes and the endeavors. So we, in 2022, obviously, we all face the storms of 2022. We are post-COVID. Um, can you believe there was a 2020 once? I was doing this, I'm, saying, I'm counting the years, and like, the time has gone, Eka. Yeah. 
you're married more than a year. How did that, how did that happen? You know? Post-COVID and lockdown and how to do church in a time where restrictions and ease and all sorts of things that everybody had to contend with. Yeah. How to find our footing again as a community emerging in 2022, coming out of 2020, 2021. How to emerge, we had to consolidate. Uh, when we locked down, everything that we were used to was locked down and disrupted. That was you know, the way we met as church, church meetings, prayer, community life, our work-life balance. The ways we abided by were now lost. We had to kind of figure things and re-emerge again. Um, I, I remember to the very simple thing, like Alice say, trying to find a morning meeting. It took us from 2022 to where we are now to get back to 9 o'clock. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So these things weren't easy, yeah. but we had to navigate through, through them, right? Mm-hmm. We entered 2022 facing storm after storm in this community. Mm-hmm. And we all remember storm after storm of things we've had to manage. And, and God was busy purging. God was busy working. God was busy cleansing. He was busy making us. God was busy working on an old generation and, and working on emerging an emerging generation within this community. Mm. There was a new eldership, and as, as a new eldership, we resorted to keeping our eyes on the Lord and His Word. We found the key in Moses' journey there. It said, God speaks, yeah. we obey. Yeah. And so we went and sought the Lord. Um, you know, and we came back with the conviction to baptize the youth in the Holy Spirit because more people listening and to the Spirit of the Lord, the better. More people hearing God's voice, the better. And we must practice these things and think about these things even for our home. The more people, more children listening to the voice of the Lord. When, when your kids are doing something wrong at home, point them and say, did you listen to God yet? You know, listen to God here. And, and so the, we came with that conviction to baptize the youth. But that gave way to a breakout of the Holy Spirit in the community. How many of you remember those hours and hours of worship and laying on the floor and, and just being prostrate and abandoning yourself to the Lord and recommitting your life of being cleansed and being washed and having the Spirit of the Lord just energize you? And this worship team just starting off, you know, the poor guys had to go from song to song to song for two hours, three hours just of worship. And, and they did it, and we grew. The Lord was working with us. The, the, the Holy Spirit was breaking out within the community. And every person and family had their own set of challenges and processes to undergo. We all had to follow a certain pathway. We all had to find our way. But the Spirit of the Lord kept us together. The Word of God kept us together. And we remember the stump and the shoot. The stump and the shoot. We had to protect the tender shoot. We had this image of the tree being cut down and just the stump remaining. Everybody remember the image. And, and I'm going to explain the image for our visitors that, you know, that would not have seen that. We, as, as a community, we had this image of the God cutting down the tree. And actually causing things to grow again, where there was a little shoot emerging from this old, from the what was once a huge tree, but has been reduced to a stump. When something is cut down, that means that there is certain activity that you engage in 
when something's cut down. When you're a huge tree, you can talk about fruitfulness. You can talk about providing shade. You can talk about being a resource. You can talk about you know, branching out and doing things. But when you're a stump, you can't do that. So you have to go and, and there's a different set of requirements. The, the requirements was protect the tender shoot that started to grow out that was once uh, out of what was once a big tree. We looked at what, was, what it was like over for LSA, what, or what looked like it was over for LSA. You know, when a tree is, is cut down and you realize, oh man, we've got to plant a new tree. Uh, you know, this, this is done, we've got to plant a new tree. Um, so it looked like it was over, we're left for dead. Anybody came past, wouldn't even, you know, they, they will actually, all you would see if you were a passerby was, oh, shame, there was a tree here. You wouldn't pay attention to the small shoot. Yeah. What you would look at is there was a tree here. Yeah. And that is no longer there. And so we protected it. We cleared the space. We allowed, you know, in the very natural process, when there's something small and there's other huge trees around it and other stuff, you had to clear the ground. You had to clear the foregrounds and fence it off and protect it so that nothing comes in there. The elements would not destroy it. And there's a certain way you carry yourself. There's a certain way you do church. There's a certain way you pray. There's a certain way you have meetings. And there's a certain word that comes to you to actually help you to protect what God has given you. There's a requirement from the Lord. And so we looked at that, but we looked like a small fraction of what we were, and the enemy left us for dead. And we had to journey through that, right? But there was a shoot, a tiny, somewhat insignificant glimmer of hope. What we paid attention on of was not the loss of the big tree, was that there was a shoot. Yeah. What we paid attention to was, can these bones live again? Yeah. What we paid attention to and heard God said, there is a shoot. What we paid attention to was a word from God, kingdom humanity, that still resonated on the inside. What we paid attention to was that this word was still providing value to my marriage and to my manhood and to our womanhood, to my children, to my workspace. This was still building. This was still building us relationally. It was still pulling us together. We had a worship experience. What we paid attention to was that the presence of God was still with us. Yeah. What we paid attention to was that that shoot represented something in God. That God was still with us. We had to look for the elements and the evidence, not in the big tree things, but in our lives. And, and God showed up in our lives. And so the thoughts could have been at that point, you're at a juncture. Do you, do you call it a day? Do you move on? And many have fallen into that. Many leaders have fallen into that. Many churches have fallen into that, yeah. uh, emerging out of COVID. Do we call it a day? But however, the Spirit of the Lord urged us to clear the space and allow the thing to grow. He brought us all the way back and said, continue, give it time. Yeah. Give it time. Let it grow. We come into 2023, and what do we see? We see the goodness of God. Coming out of a very challenging year of dealing with loss, having to walk through the emotions, having to walk with through 
what does that mean for me? What does it mean for us? Everything does not look the same anymore. 2023, we emerge with the goodness of God. We saw limitations maybe in our labor and what we could offer God within the portfolios and you know, the coordination team and catering team and worship teams were, were stretched and, and they were carrying the load. And, um, you know, but we came in, limited resources, limited facilities, you know, having to go to, you, you remember times having to go to the venue and then find that someone else is in your place. Um, deal with the drama of facilities, and but we saw God's favor. We started to see God's favor. We started the year with the invitation to the mission of Kingdom Humanity in January 2023. You remember that? Martha and I saw that, and we said to Carl, Carl, can you print this book for us? <laughs> First meeting we're going to have, we want these booklets done. Carl, you know helped us out, sort of, because we saw something. That conviction that we had, uh, that small shoot was starting to grow. It was starting to mean something. It was starting to grow out of us. That invitation to the, king, the mission of kingdom humanity was being produced by Rob, that resource, and was sent out. And we had a month-long, you remember February, the month-long uh, worship experience that we had? And we had the invitation um, over that month of February but through the conviction of the Spirit, we had the men in the worship team lead worship for the entire month of February. I reflected on this, and you know, with the benefit of hindsight, like I was saying, you kind of see now what that meant. Yeah. I'm going to connect something that I felt, I sat back and I realized, oh, wow, God. So we felt the conviction. We were saying, we've introduced Tami and Tlanganani as, you know, uh, leaders inside of the worship portfolio together with myself to kind of hold that space. They, they've been in that space. They've, you know, they understood what it looks like and, and they have the stature to actually stand there. And so when we came into February, we said, guys, let, what if we do worship with just the men? And, and you remember that? Men standing in front singing for the whole month carrying the worship with just a keyboard and just voices. And I remember how wild y'all were by the voices. <laughs> y'all were like, these, these men can sing. <laughs> but here was the thing, was to build devotional men that are able to carry and exhibit a worship experience to create an open door in the heavens so that the people may have encounters with the Lord. That was the intention. So there was a, an intention behind that. And the Spirit of the Lord then jumped on the men of LSA. That's the unintended thing we didn't see. Yeah. The Spirit of the Lord jumped on the men of LSA, and the revival of the manhood dimension in the community began. It began in 2023, 20, February. Okay? And so we started to see the men undergo processes of breaking Breaking in their hearts, breaking in their lives, but you know, broken and a contrite spirit before the Lord, yeah. a renewal and a transformation of men in LSA. Recently, Megs, Megan, you made a comment, and I want to draw that comment now that you made at CPI with hindsight of where this thing began. At CPI recently, Megan made a comment and said, the men of LSA were here, all standing in their ranks. And I'm, and I'm just paraphrasing, you know, she was commenting on how good it was that she observed 
actually, this CPI were run by men. Men were standing, they were coming up to the mic, they were leading, they were praying. And how good it is to see that, because in the church, who are at the forefront of prayer and intercession? The ladies, the women are carrying the burden of intercession. Okay? And Megan made that comment. And we have to track that journey to what we now know was a revival of our manhood in February. We're going to give God praise for that. Amen. That he has been working. Amen. That he's been working behind the scenes. I saw that and I sat back. I think last night Mercer said, are you working? I had my hands on my head and I was just sitting back and considering that God... We, we, we just heard a small thing. We said, that you said, you know what, just, just the men in the worship team exhibit something. Yeah. What they did, what did God use that for, he had always planned. He used that for a revival of our manhood inside of this community. And so what we see today are the men standing strong, able to bring spiritual definition, able to speak into the environment, started off with the invitation to kingdom humanity. It started off with men holding the space in worship. God was bringing a realignment back to an order and an arrangement for us as a community. And we remember engaging the mission, faithful missional life and missional processes. And there's five components that Rob took us through as be intentional, live a life of faith, be an example, be committed, be prayerful, and be a witness. Um, you know, I, I don't have the time to go through all of those, but those, those teachings are available. How to engage in the mission, have faithful missional life, and engage in missional processes. And then we saw the, the opening of many opportunities to share the word of God of kingdom humanity. Resources, convictions, Rob shared. I feel like writing. I feel like, and we were, we were trying to figure out, Rob, you know, you feel like writing. Is your computer going to survive the exercise? We got to look at it. did not survive. It was resuscitated a few times. <laughs> but, but that was the conviction. We feel like writing. We feel like, but in a, in a time of limitation. Um, so God has been good to us. We've seen books, booklets. We've seen meetings. We've seen the launch of the Global Engagement Forum of Kingdom Humanity. What did that indicate for us? When you were journeying in 23, you realize that the time of grief was over. And the time of loss was no more. That we were in the gaining side. We were now, God was building. We, we lost something. God was building us we were on, and I'm borrowing this from Rob, we were on the gaining side of the equation um, coming into this year as we journeyed. The relational space was renewed by the Lord, relationships extending not just to leaders where Robert was meeting with the leaders in the town, but to secondary leaders, and then to communities, and then to the saints. What we see last week at Harbor City 3C and LSA is evidence of that. You've walked into a space I'm sure for LSA community, you knew more people to have conversations with this time around. God had built a relational space. You know, God expanded us uh, in that way. So what we were lost and we grieved over, God was starting to renew and give back to us this year. And we have to see that. And I want us, 
to consider that just for a moment, that the time of grief and loss is over. What does it mean for us? It doesn't matter that the loss is no longer a loss. Is that the loss is not carried with as much weight as what God is putting in front of us. What we are gaining and what God is building is, is more important for us. The requirements of the Lord. What is required from us by the Lord? So I'm going to read in Luke. And here it talks about the birth of Jesus. Luke chapter 2. Verses 25 to 40. I'm going to try and move quickly through this and just read. And, um, and hopefully we kind of identify some things inside of this, right? It's the story of Jesus and, and the birth of Jesus. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, from verse 25, Luke chapter 2, who was righteous and devout. He was awaiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. Key components. There, right? Remember the voice of the Lord. God speaks. God delivers a word. We obey. The Holy Spirit, he was devoted to the Lord and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that, that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts when the parents brought in the child Jesus, that is Joseph and Mary, to do for him what was custom of the law required, Simeon took me in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen the salvation which you have prepared inside of all nations, a light for the revelation to the Gentiles, and the glory of your people Israel. And this is the next verse. Uh, the child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. This is Mary and Joseph marveled at what was said about him. Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the folly and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was a prophet Anna, this interesting prophet, prophet Anna, the daughter of Peniel of the tribe of Asher. And it says that she was very old. That she was very old, but still functioning as a prophet, still active. She was very old, she says. She lived with her husband for seven years and after, uh, after her marriage and then was a widow. So she was married for seven years and her, and her husband passed away. And she was a widow until she was 84. She was now 84, so she says she was very old, but still active as a prophet. And this, this prophet, interesting, says she never left the temple but worshipped night and day fasting and praying, coming up to them at that very moment. She gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were, to all who were looking forward to the redemption of, of Jerusalem. When Mary and Joseph had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee. Everything required. And the child grew, became strong, was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Okay, the background there was also that, you know, at that time they were taking a census. Um, and, and Joseph had to take Mary to register for the census. So times of census is an old age tradition of finding out who's in your city, who's in your town, right? Um, and Jesus is born in the manger at the time. And the angel and heavenly host appear at the time to the shepherds. And they follow the star to uh, the manger. In Luke 
2, verse 19, it says, But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. So what he was saying was when the prophet spoke to her about this is who your child is. Remember the angel said this to her. This is who Jesus is. This is what is going to happen to you. So Mary was tracking the journey from the time the angel first visited her to reveal the conception to the ordeal they faced with babies being killed and having to escape. From believing alone with Joseph and now this moment where what she believed was being affirmed by shepherds and prophets around her. Remember, they were ridiculed. They were saying, okay, this Mary, Joseph was going to try and divorce her silently. A whole bunch of stuff was going on. But now this moment arrives. The baby is born. The promise is here. The Messiah is here. What God said is upon you. It's arrived. And the prophets are affirming that. Okay, so, but the Mary treasured all these things and pondered on them in her heart. In Luke 2, 41 to 52, you can go and read there. But in 52, it says, But his mother treasured all these things in her heart, and Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. This was the story of now Jesus going. They actually left the city and forgot about him, figured out a day later that Jesus is not with them. He's a 12-year-old boy. They go back a day. So they travel for a day, go back a day, arrive three days later. And they realize that he's in the temple. And she asks him, didn't you know? Uh, why, why did you leave us? And he says, but didn't you know where I would be? She tells him. But and this is where with all the children. This part you need to know. It says, didn't you know I'll be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. And this is Jesus. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. So if Jesus can obey his parents... You know, in these matters, um, being the son of God, that's for it. But his mother treasured it all. So I want to work, uh, start to th just consider treasure and ponder to think about. One of the requirements of this season is to treasure and to ponder all the things that God has said to you. Through conviction from his word and through prophetic words spoken to you, the things that God says must be at the fore of your mind. When these words are being revealed, they do not take you back. Uh, they take you back and to how you believed when God first spoke so that you may know what God said is true. So in Mary's case, it's the angel came, they went through the humiliation, they had to leave the city, babies are being killed. But when they take the baby Jesus to be baptized, the confirmation from the prophets are there. The shepherds have come and said, what God said to you is true, right? And is now being revealed to, you may identify the season upon you. So to treasure and to ponder means to sit and consider and identify what is the season we're in. Where is God taking us? What does this time mean? And this means that you have to sit and consider and have conversations around the table. And, and really talk about what is the season upon you, your family, and this church community. Everything takes place in your life and has been ordained by the Lord and is revealed by His Word and through the words of the prophets. And every event of life finds itself and lands its side of different seasons, phases. Whether you are going to school or picking subjects or you, you ha you're planning 
doing family planning or you're getting married or you're finding your job, all of these events falls in time of a phase and a season of God in your life. They are not random things. So the equation is God speaks through his word and through his prophets. I obey and there's a set of requirements that, that comes with that obedience about going, uh, listening to the Lord and how I live and how I take my decisions and that equals it works. Right? So treasure and ponder. Mary treasured and pondered in her heart. So as we, as we go into this festive period, I want us to remember that one thing. Treasure and ponder. Think on these things. The next part, if we go back to Deuteronomy, it says, do not forget the things your eyes have seen. I've just painted for us some of the things of 2022 and 2023. I'm going to say to you, I'll say, do not forget the things that your eyes have seen. The Lord has moved us from one place to another, from a small shoot to something that is growing into a big tree right now. Do not forget the little decisions, the activation of the men in the community, the Holy Spirit coming upon our youth. Do not forget the Spirit-led processes and endeavors of the Lord. Don't let them fade in your heart. Is that a command from the Lord, right? Don't let them fade in your heart. And fade means to lose freshness, strength. Or vitality. A fade means to change gradually in loudness, strength, or visibility. A picture that changes from one to the other. When you allow something to fade, it means that when you prioritize other things above what God is says, the picture starts to fade. It gets blurry for a moment, and then it's clearer, but the picture that you see now is something very different to what God showed you. That's what it means. Don't let it fade in your heart. For where your heart is, that's where your treasure is. So where your heart is has to be positioned where the Lord has pointed you, the picture that God has shown you. Do not forget what you have seen. Don't let it fade in your heart. Don't store up. It. So, so Matthew 6, 19 to 21, he says, Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth when moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy. And with thieves, do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So we have to keep our hearts from uh, stayed on the things of the Lord. You can't have yourself fading into another reality outside of what God has prescribed and what God has shown us. So what your eyes have seen, you have to register that in your heart. You have to impress that on your children. The word impress them means to imprint something upon them. Okay, for where your heart is. Do not let anyone come in and steal or break in and steal. Do not let voices come in and mess around with your mind about church post-COVID. Do not let your, your mind be messed around about the priority of the Lord in your life. Do not be moved and tossed to and fro. You know, you know there's, there's always a complaining party and we see that in Israel. There's always people talking and saying stuff and, and misinterpreting and being very abstract. But what do they do? The more you listen, the more you're there. And the Word of God encourages us, do not sit in these seats where you hear these things. Because they, they paint for you a picture that sooner or later you don't realize, but you go through this point where things are not so clear and blurry. What's happening? 
it means that things are fading in your heart and a new picture is being is is is, is becoming a new reality to you we want to save ourselves from that don't forget what you have seen don't let it fade in your heart the other thing they said is revere the lord to show devoted and differential honor to the lord it means above all things you honor him, what he says above all things. To regard as worthy of great honor. The next part is watch yourselves very carefully. Do not create idols for yourself. An idol is something that is comforting. It's something that is of convenience that we use to give us a sense of God in our life. And a sense of walking right with him. But it's actually something that we create. It's not a spirit-inspired process. We do not see the Lord, but we feel Him. But we want to create things that show us, oh, there's God here. It's a, something of comfort. Actually, the wrestle and the, and the tension of, of actually sacrifice and suffering and going before the Lord is what we need. We don't create something out of comfort. We don't have attachment or devotion to something. The next part is you shall not misuse the name of the Lord. And there are times in my life where I, you know, I, I, I love joking around uh, you know, and say certain things. But there's a level of sternness that I feel about. I feel very strongly about things. This is one of them, of us going around. And, and you see within the churches, many people, how many of you all would have heard and seen, Oh, God spoke to me. Not tested. Have not gone to leadership have not presented the conversation, have not been vulnerable enough to test what you feel in your heart, that picture there is fading. That heart, the thing in your heart is fading. And we say, God said to me, I heard the Lord speak. We have to be careful of presenting our own agendas as if the Lord has spoken. And we have to clean ourselves out of that. Any word from God will have his nature and his character in it. Anything that is God would not isolate, would not individualize, would not pull you to a side, but will bring you into more wholesome community life. Make you more wholesome in your relationships. Make you more whole as a man, as a woman. Make you more whole as a youth. We must see the fruit you know, the Word of God says to us that by your fruit, we see what's in the heart. We see what's going on. But where, what we've seen in COVID is a lot of, uh, you know, Facebook preaching and, and, and social media stuff going around. Very abstract things that are not connected to anything, really. And we, we've sat in those places or we listen too long to those things. And saints have actually started to say, I'm in a new season. no. I, I can never be in the new season. The Lord is the one who manages the seasons of my life. But he manages the seasons, not for one, but for all. And so when we transition, when he changes the season, it's the whole company of us that move. It's a community thing that we engage in. So do not misuse the name of the Lord. Clarify. Speak about. The next one is keep the Lord's word in your heart. Prioritize what God is emphasizing now to you. The next one is impress on your children. And I, and I said to us, impress means to apply pressure on them 
to leave an imprint and an impression of something on them. That they have a mark. They have something to refer to. They are branded by something. They're branded by the season of God. They're branded by what we've gone in through in 2022 and 2023. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Make it part of your daily life. Incorporate it into your routines. That's what he's saying. Tie them as symbols on your heads and your hands and bind them on your foreheads. That the world around us must identify the marks of the new season on you. Write it on your door frames of your house and on your gates. There must be a distinction in the home and the home front. That when people come in and out and there's visitations and all sorts of things, they must touch and feel something different about you. The mark of this new season among you. The way your home is. We must also be watchmen there of our homes and guard our homes and families from being caught in conversations and decisions and events that are inconsistent with what God requires. There's a lot to be done in our time in December, coming into 2024. We've got to write them on our door frames in our house. We've got to have a distinction at home, but we have to be watchmen. Watch what comes in and goes out. Amen. I don't know if I'm going to have time to go through this, but... Um, in Second Kings, it was a beautiful scripture that Martha read. Actually, this stuff I've had to journey with inside of my own context with, you know, with my mom now being a widow. Um, but, and I had to read this, but I actually found implication for myself. In the, and Martha took us through this text about, in Second Kings chapter 4 from verse 1 to 7, about the, the lady, the wife of a, of a prophet, of a leader, had served under the prophets, Elisha. And he had passed away. He had died. And she was in a dilemma where there were collectors coming. There were debt collectors. And the prophet said to her, go and find as many jars as you can. The little olive oil that you have, go in, shut the doors, take your sons with you, and start to fill up those jars. Remember that, that, that story? Martha took us through that. And I found that quite exceptional. Um, the widow stands in authority over her home and goes to the prophets to present the dilemma and make her request known. She continues as they did before with her husband with her. So the husband and her served under Elisha the prophets. He was a very devoted man. She continues in that same. And I, pr I premise my, uh, you know, in, in terms of my engagement with my, my mom with this principle that there is still mileage for her. Even in the grief and the loss we have to make use of what we have known before to present ourselves before the Lord and leadership in the events of our life. And we will see miracles take place and transformation take place in a home. Now, this takes place in the side of a context of a widow, but we have all gone through loss. And that's the implication I found for myself, that when you come out and you present yourself, that spiritual maturity wins when you stand before the Lord and learning how to continue even more steadfast when we face loss of any kind. Amen.